Welcome to Speaking Highly with John Huck. I am your host, John Huck. Uh, with me, as always, is Indy Fawcett. If you like what we do, if you dig it, you can go to speakinghighly.com, get all the Speaking Highly info you need. You can go to the uh, YouTube page, click like, maybe leave a comment, and all across all the podcast platforms, you can rate, review, and tell us what you like and what you would like to see changed, if there's anything. I mean, I'm up for constructive criticism. You Just have don't be a dick. Control out there, audience. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you have you. You're entitled to your opinions. I think is how we'll we'll say it. You know, I, I'm not going to bend over backwards for everybody who doesn't like my face or whatever it is. But <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Good. To Good, see you, John. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you. <laughs> Um, it's not like we've been doing this all day. I know we did like 400 <laughs> in a day. It's like enough, dude. We get what we look like. Um, today we are uh, talking about the movie Respect, which comes out this weekend. And we're talking to Mike Watford, who is, he plays a, um, he, he's, he's an actor. He's a great actor. He was in the kitchen. We've had him, he was on the Hollywood Anonymous podcast. Um, it's the new Aretha Franklin biopic with Jennifer Hudson. Um, that Marlon Wayans is in it, Forrest Whitaker, Mark Marin, Tate Donovan. It's a it's a huge movie about an even lar- more like larger than life personality and and talent. You know, Aretha Franklin is uh, find someone who doesn't like Aretha Franklin and then push that person off a cliff. I don't know. Like, there's no there's no way to like not like her and not resp- and again no no not to be clever but you have to respect her career where she came from how she did it what she did the music she made and this uh rick hall the character that mike plays was a huge producer at that time like a like one of those kind of i don't want to say nutty but like really good like and again i don't like to say phil specter because he turned out to be a psycho but like driven 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 i think is the best way to say it and an incredible mustache if you look look up online yeah. His sweet mustache, and they make Mike look. <laughs> they did a real good job. He talks about his wig a little bit, but yeah. I mean, th- this is just a guy who's he's uh, super down to earth. He's he's a really nice dude. I met him through a mutual friend, uh, Carl Hansen, who will be on this show eventually, and is one of the more inspirational figures that I've met in terms of just his level of positivity and who he is and who he can be. This is Carl. But like, so when he's like, Hey, you should talk to my friend, Mike, it's kind of a no brainer. If Carl's going to, you know, promote somebody or say, Hey, this guy's great. You just got to, yeah, let's talk to him. And, and, and he's just such, Mike is just such a unique character. He grew up in the same town as Rick Hall. He grew up hearing all about these stories he knows this music inside and out. It's what he was raised on. It's in his blood, you know? So for him to get this part and, I mean, he talks all about it. I'll, I'll let him do the talking. But, uh, again, go see Respect. Check it out. Go buy an Aretha Franklin record. Go buy an Aretha Franklin record and check that out, too, if you have never listened to her. I can't imagine there's anybody here who's like, Aretha Franklin, what? Um, yeah. But uh, enjoy Mike Watford, everybody. Uh, all right, everybody. Here I am with Mike Watford from the new movie coming out probably this weekend because this will come out right around the same time as the movie. Uh, Respect, a uh, movie about Aretha Franklin. And uh, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing good, John. Nice to see you again, man. Nice to see you. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, we had Mike on the Hollywood Anonymous podcast. Um, uh, he was connected to us by uh, a very good friend, Carl Hansen. And uh, that was a great, that's one of those things, man, where like, and of course, it, because it came from Carl, but like, we didn't know you, me and Brian didn't know you. And, mm-hmm. and that can be a little bit awkward sometimes just because we'd been doing the podcast kind of strictly with people we liked, you know? So right. it was like, but again, when someone like Carl tells you, hey, you should really talk to Mike, it's like, yeah, whatever you want, Carl, I will, you know? And it turned out, I mean, that was for, we were talking about The Kitchen, which was coming out at that time. Uh, that was Tiffany Haddish, Melissa McCarthy, and... Uh, the, Elizabeth Moss. It? Elizabeth Moss, there we go, thank you. Um, uh, did very and well. You. you, Yeah, and you, yeah, you had a great, you had a great <laughs> little part in there. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say little like... <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what I mean. It was, I do it was remember a, that was a great interview, though. I didn't know you guys. I was down in your basement. For a second, I thought I was getting kidnapped. I, that's what everybody felt like. Where are we going? Yeah, uh, yeah, because you led me around and down. It's like okay, I make. I had to make sure I had my GPS on. But it, but it was great, man. We talked for. I think we talked for like an hour before we even started. It was a yeah, was, dude. Like, we uh, we uh, used to just yeah. We let those podcasts go. I think your episode ended up being like two and a half hours long or something. Like we just <laughs> kept, we just yeah. kept it on, you know. But yeah. um, it's great to see you again, and congratulations on. I mean, the, since the last time I saw you, the, the, yes, the kitchen, but also like I know your band was was playing. I was tr- trying yeah. to get to a show in uh, North Hollywood, but I just it didn't work out. Um, but it's I do good. plan There's on seeing you guys. Shows, yeah, I do plan on seeing you guys eventually, and I I think it's awesome that you are a musician from the South. Yeah, and you get to be in a movie about uh-huh. Aretha Franklin, who yeah. kind of, you know, I don't want to say put put that music on the map because that's not a fair. You know, people were. You know doing what I would say, before. John? I would say, and this is not too big of a statement. Get ready. I would yeah. say that that area put Aretha Franklin on the map. And I, oh. I think you'll I think you'll see that when you see the movie. She had something like uh, seven or eight records out before she came down to the shows to work. The Muscle Shows Alabama to work with Rick Call, who is the character that I played. And uh, and they had her doing uh, sort of standards and no hits. Nobody really knew who she was. And she finally decided she was going to make the music that she wanted to make and she'd heard what was coming out of there um a lot of people don't know what they were doing down there i mean this was in the middle of the woods of alabama um and this this little studio and they were putting out they basically invented southern soul there with the musicians that came in you know percy sledge and uh you know uh clarence carter and you know, so many people that really founded that uh, uh, that sound um, started and worked and did most of their recording down there. And so word started getting out and Aretha heard about it and, and they came way down there, drove through the cotton fields and kind of had their mind blown when they walked in the studio. But uh, it turned out to be good for everybody. Yeah, because it, like you said, if she's coming from where did she come was she up in new york was she up in was new she york some, yeah. yeah so she's like in a recording studio she's making records she's doing and walking out into a city and there's people and whatever whereas to do what you said it's like like if you thought you were getting murdered coming to a basement in eagle rock for a podcast imagine her like kind of looking around <laughs> yeah. like 
wait a minute, where are we going? And it's just getting yeah. more more trees, more woods, more woods, more trees. And then you show up at, and what's the recording studio called? Is it called Muscle uh, Shoals? Fame Recording Studios. Fame yeah. Recording Studios. Uh, it stands for Florence, Alabama Music Musical Enterprises. Uh-oh. And it started in Florence and then moved to Muscle Shoals. And uh, they were some of the first people, not the first people recording down there in the Muscle Shoals area, but, but the first that really broke through. And, uh, you know, to, to a lot of people's surprise, you know, Wilson Pickett uh, was, uh, was one of the first to sort of uh, um, kind of let everybody know what, what a shock it was for a, a black soul artist to come down there and work because, you know, they picked him up at the airport and he drove through the cotton fields and, uh, you know, he had no idea what was happening. And he walks into this studio and he's expecting with, with the music that they've been recording there. He's ex- he was expecting black musicians and it was all these white country boys. And mm-hmm. um, and they were guys that that loved that music. They loved soul music. They didn't want to play country. They didn't want to do the, the things that those guys around there were doing. Uh, and uh, and they sold out on that. And um and it was, you know, a surprise to a lot of people throughout the years when they walked in that studio, including years later, Paul Simon famously said, uh, you know, I want to work with the same black musicians that Aretha Franklin recorded with. And they said, well, we, we got some news for you, Paul. We're, we're all here. <laughs> and, and I mean, it happened over and over and over again. And that's kind of a that's kind of part of the story. Um, because they were surprised when they walked well, in. Well, look that that's a that's a huge compliment, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? Like, like you're you're a, a recording artist back then. I mean, this isn't to like make fun of white people, but <laughs> the music that white people like made in the '30s and '40s and '50s, and it's a little bit like it's not. There's no soul to it. There's no soul. It bubble gum. It's very how whatever you want to call it, but it's just it. It doesn't. It doesn't hit you. It doesn't. It doesn't. You don't feel anything from that music. You know. So they, as musicians who you know, and singers and artists that that make music that brings feeling to people, I'm sure they weren't expecting. Hey, my name's you know Bob. My name's Steve. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. they were like, "What?" But that's yeah. that's wild, man. That's great. no, it was, and it was a, uh, it, it like I said, it was uh, some some musicians that came down there to record handled it in different ways, and yeah. uh, some musicians were uh, you know surprised uh, and ended up being you know kind of uh, um, endeared. In, uh, by those people, and uh, some, some uh, really didn't like it. To be honest with you, and uh, I was going to say you know the story about a re- about when they recorded there. There was a mix. There was there were tensions about that, and um, you know it was uh, it was something that they certainly had to deal with. Very famously, if you're from the shows, you already know the story. But uh, you know they very famously <laughs> had some tension recording that because because of that. Yeah, interesting. And and I you know, uh I am all for like we should all get along and let's all, you know, everybody is equal. Let's not, you know, you don't know what this person's been through. You don't know what that person's been through, but you know, I I think about it a lot if I if I was a a black artist, a recording artist, a guitar player, a singer, whatever, 
I don't know that I'd want at that time uh, back then, I don't know that I'd want to work with any white people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I just knowing what, you know, where your parents came from, everything that happened and that was still going on back then. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, and it, it was going on there. Yeah. I mean, you're in Alabama, dude. Worse, more than anywhere else in the world. And, and, and that's exactly how, you know, Aretha's husband felt about it. I think Aretha uh, was uh, was much more trusting um as you'll see in the movie but but her husband was not and was not pleased with that and, well, and also uh, so I mean, created tension and her husband was was looking out for her i mean it wasn't Absolutely. like a, it wasn't I'm, like a you know i don't like what it was like hey man this is my wife and this is i don't want her recording with these people like you know i i get and, it and like I you said there was no way that he could walk in there knowing that these white boys who sound 10 times more hillbilly than I am talking right now could play soul music as good or better than anyone else in the world. There was no, there was no way that, that, that they could expect that. No. And, uh, and, and um, you know, the world found out uh, later over and over and over again, that they were some of the, the best uh, in the world. And I think that some of them were, the best in the world, Roger Hawkins, the drummer who, who just sadly just passed away a few weeks ago, um, was, I think, as far as that genre goes, the, the, the soul music, he, he was the best studio drummer that ever lived. You know, you got different people that, that are more famous live, uh, funky drummer and, you know, uh, James Brown's guy and things like that, who, who, um, people probably knew better, but in terms of laying it down in the studio, Nobody made a pocket the way that Roger Hawkins did. And, you know, you're talking about Mustang Sally and Land of a Thousand Dances and uh, and uh, When a Man Loves a Woman. He did all of that stuff. All of these guys did. So, um, you know, it, it, I mean, it was uh, it was the the road was paved with those guys, you know? Yeah, that's uh, and, and 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 timeless music like yeah. you can listen to Mustang Sally today and, you know, mm -hmm and get into it it's not like but you're if you've like, ever heard of any cover band you you have listened to mustang the, yeah that's the thing it's you, like the you, third song if, they play if you've been to a wedding if you've been to it you know you've <laughs> yeah. heard it and again there's a reason that it gets played everywhere mm -hmm. it's fucking good it's great. <laughs> it's and they like, always play it too fast he tells you in a song slow the mustang down but all those cover bands they want to speed that song up they're just trying that's to get people the genius on the dance of floor that southern soul music is they could find the pocket they weren't afraid to wait for it you know what i mean i i feel when you say pocket i feel like um i had a, a friend in college who she would always we'd be listening to something and she she liked punk rock so we'd be listening to some punk rock and then she'd be like oh here's the mosh part and it would be like a kind of a breakdown in the song and it would and then we were listening to something a little bit slower and she's like here's the mosh part and like she just picked parts that like sort of kicked ass and she yeah, was like this yeah. is the, and it's not like she was expecting to go into a mosh pit but she was like this is the part that like my brain likes you know yeah um yeah. so i always i always figure like because when you say pocket you mean just like uh kind of like a, a great little area of yeah like the groove, space to the way like, the groove yeah. is flowing you know and uh, you see uh when you got a great bass player and a great drummer uh that that know how to create that and david hood who um who I, I had the I've had the pleasure to get to know over the years uh, for this project and, and before uh, and David and um, Roger, they were one man. They were one. They yeah. 
they're they're like a world class uh, quarterback and receiver. You know, they're like J- Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. They knew every step. They knew every move that each other was going to make, and they're they like a, locked in. A, like a crazy old married couple who knows everything about the other one. Because you know, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, they they were. And, and David was with uh, Roger when he passed a couple weeks ago uh, in his last moments, and uh, and his wife had told me that uh, in, in in some of Roger's last moments with david he asked him to go get uh the snare that he used to record land of a thousand dances and uh and when a man loves a woman and he put it on his chest and and beat out the rhythm to land of a thousand dances and it was it was the last sort of moment that those two shared together because that's what they that's where they lived you know what i mean oh my god that's uh uh, (laughs) i got chills just thinking about it right now and i've I've already told that story like two or three times so my eyes just started watering because i was like wait whoa that's that is that's also one of those things i'm a big believer that you know uh, as human beings we're all energy and when we're done with the body we don't there's, it's not nothing. It's not the end. It's like we are timeless. The yeah. body, we are infinite beings. We are, yes, we are infinite beings having a finite experience. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like we, yeah. once the, this, this experience will end with the body, but like the energy goes on. And, and I feel like musicians and people like, especially like who we're talking about, like that had such a, an impact on things like that, that that impact is going to continue that it's just their energy is going to keep coming back in in ways that will drive that stuff forward you know i well, they that's... quite literally really cut live forever as long as at least as long as the human experience lives you know what i mean um uh that that music lives on and even if someone forgets mustang sally in 500 years the guy who ripped off Mustang Sally and the guy ripped off that guy and the guy ripped off that guy and so on and so on and so on. All of that is there. And it all leads back to that and further to the first guy that, you know, tied a string to a a stick and went, Oh my God. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I mean, you know, (laughs) that's where the first guy was created, John. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I mean, that that's, uh, that's, that's fantastic, dude. I really, I, I really like that. Um, now you you are a musician as well. Um, I am. Yeah, I like. Well, you know, look, I I am a guitar player and a singer. I have so much respect for musicians that I don't dare call myself that. Um, the guys in my band are okay. Musicians, I, for sure, but I'm hey. a performer, and we got a badass band. I'll tell I'll tell you that much. Well, I'm going to say you're a musician because oh. if you are in a band that plays regularly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, that means you have to know what you're doing. Like, yeah, I play the guitar. I'm yeah. not a musician. I play the guitar, <laughs> you know, every yeah. once in a while. But, like, you, you got one hanging up. I see it there. Yeah, that's a, that's a piece of garbage. That guitar really is terrible. Um, okay. But I have a nice acoustic, and then I have, uh, um, I got to get a better electric. But I, you know, I, I've got, I've been playing guitar since fourth grade. But again, right. I'm not in any bands. I just I like music. I like I'll listen to a song. I'll try to play it, you know. And it's all to entertain myself and maybe impress my wife every once in a while. You yeah, know? man, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll—all <laughs> the same thing, if done properly. Yes. I always say, sex, that, yes. drugs, rock and roll equals the same thing if done properly. If done that improperly. Is... They all might leave a bad taste in your mouth. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's a very good, because like you said, you get 
you can get addicted to the music. You know what I mean? It's like the, yeah. for me, that's what it is. Is like, you know, when I was younger, drug the word drugs was just funny, like sex, drugs, rock and roll. But then I realized that I just really am addicted to live music. Like, yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy guitar. I enjoy hearing a rhythm section that's good. I like horns. I like piano. I, you know, I like music. So, yeah. you know, it's I'm the same it way. Is, you got to come to a Stumpwaller show because that's what we're about. I'm just going to tell you, that is literally what we're about. We are about the like sort of salvation through the music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where we try to share an honest moment with everybody there. We, we, we try to have something genuine. We try to get people and it's a hard sell in LA to get people's ass moving a little bit because people tend to come out in LA and be like, all right, I don't know. Well, show me something. You Dude, know? the arms crossed. I mean, yeah. e in, even in comedy clubs, you see that, and you're like, Oh, I bet, yeah. Hey, mm -hmm. you understand that your body language is shit, right? Can right. you not cross your arms and look judgmentally at me as I talk about my last fart or whatever this joke is going to go? <laughs> you know. But but yeah, th there is, you know, I there is that. Like I I'm a big Grateful Dead fan. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Dead and Company. I'll see all those shows, and there is a difference when you see a concert somewhere else you know yeah. i love seeing shows in la because i don't care about what the audience is doing i'm gonna do what i want to do anyway there you go man um but but i you do notice it like i went to a you know um uh tedeschi uh trucks um derek trucks has a band um with susan T tedeschi i think but it's tedeschi just the derek trucks band i guess but okay um we went and saw them and they're they're groovy man it's you want to shake your bones you want to be up you want to be yeah. everybody was sitting down and you could yeah. tell the band was like what is going on like yeah. that's why play, a lot of those bands won't come to la man they won't want to play here at first you can't get paid in la and second of all you know it's you're playing for a bunch of people who you know act like they're pissed off that they they're there. So, um, you know, so for all of you guys out there watching this, when you go to a show, especially now, because we all need it now, right? Now been, more than been ever. starving for it. Yes. And, uh, and when you go to a show now, just forget that shit, man. Just let it go. Have a good time. You've earned it, man. It's been a year and a half of this bullshit. Like, get out there and fucking have fun because that's what music is magical, man. It, it really... It, it, nothing can move you like music can move you. If you know the secret and the secret is only to just let go, that's it. That's all you got to do. Simple yeah. as that. You don't have to be able to play. You know, like you said, you don't have to be able to, you, I guarantee you, and you, however many chords, you know, when you sit there and, and no one's around maybe, or maybe people are around, I don't know. And, and you're nailing those chords that you like to play. It feels like you're Jimmy Page for a second. It feels magical. And that's yeah. why you still have those guitars every, uh, and, and have been playing them since you were, you know, 12 or 13 years old and, and, and why you always will. You know? Yeah, dude, that's that's exactly right. It does, because even when I am alone, it feels good. It yeah. feels good. Like, I, I'm there was two things I'll just say quickly. But like, I went to. I'm a huge fan of Roger Waters and Pink Floyd and and uh, the Wall. Roger Waters did the Wall tour, which they only did five of the original shows in the '80s, and then so he brings it back. This big production, and I go to a show at the Staples Center, and people behind, like the Wall, that album in particular changed my life. 
I was in eighth grade going into freshman year. Somebody's like, hey, you should listen to this. And it drilled a hole in my brain and laid eggs. Do you know what I mean? Like it changed my life. And I was so happy to be there and finally see this concert. I'm like standing up and immediately the people behind me, are you going to stand the whole time? I'm like, oh, God, are you going to sit the whole time? What are you even doing here? Like, why did you come? Why did you know how these these were expensive tickets? And I now I have to sit down now because fuck some asshole doesn't know what's going on. Like I it was it was very I was in L.A., man. Yes. Yes, only in LA. Um, and then what was the what was the second thing I was going to say? Uh, we were talking about playing guitar. Oh, Neil Pert. Um, when of Rush, when somebody was like, "Do you get tired of playing Tom Sawyer every night or whatever?" And he's like, "No, because it's really hard to play. So when I play it right, I feel good about it." Yeah. And yeah. it's like, dude, that that's amazing to hear a guy like Neil Pert say that. It's like that guy yeah. is so technical and so professional that it was like. He he still feels good playing music. Like that's the deal. That's why add, we do add it. Add to that, man, the fact that there's when he plays that when he played that song, there was anywhere from ten to a hundred thousand people shitting themselves over. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? When he when he goes across the toms, they're shitting themselves because yeah. of it. And yeah, uh, and that is an amazing feeling as a as a as a musician. And even in my tiny little experience, there's several songs that we have played every single show. And the guy, people that, that know our band, Stumpwaller, they know those songs and they're waiting for those songs. And I and played them a thousand times. And every time we get to them, it's the same thing, man. It's the same thing. It, there is not an an a. a there's no part of me that's like, yeah, let's not do it tonight. You know, I don't have the energy tonight. No way. It's no, that it, that gives you energy. Exactly. If you're tired and you don't have energy, you do that, you'll be like, whoa, man. That's yeah. like, that's a fat rail right to the brain. It's like, <laughs> woo! Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That is awesome. And Stumpwaller, just to be clear, is yeah. the name of your band. And we'll that's put right. a link up to uh, their website so that if people want to see dates or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. We're just that, now starting to get back in the groove. We had, a, we had a gig last weekend outside and we've had some offers in LA. Which we, we stay mostly in the LA area. Every now and then we venture out and go to like, uh, you know, Santa Fe and albuquerque and, and and do a little trail out there but uh we we mostly stay here because uh, uh you know i have a, another career and i can't be tied to the to being on the road right but you know it's a matter of timing the the the, the venues in la have been hurt just like the musicians have and now we're sort of at a point where we're trying to come together because the venues are saying look we're broke and we don't have any money. And the musicians are saying, yeah, well, so are we. So we got to get paid. And it's about kind of, you know, figuring it out. Because uh, if we come in right now and say, you know what? Uh, we'll do we'll do pay to play to, to get this gig, which I will never, ever do. And that only exists, by the way, in L.A. It's ridiculous. Yes, dude. Um, it exists in comedy. It exists in yeah. music. And it is shady and shitty. And don't do it. Anybody and don't do it if you're an artist or a performer. Yeah, I agree. Wait, wait, work your way up. Work, get, start playing at a club for the at a bar for the tips for the for the bar tab, whatever. Yeah, um, there are places you can play and perform that won't do that. And they exactly. might might seem less, but do those places because that's what 
creating art is not yeah, paying but now, you know, now you've got musicians that are so just Jones to be on stage because it is like a drug that they just want to get up there, you know, and they're there. And I and I know that they're torn right now. And I have been torn, too, about about taking less than I think that I'm worth and my what my band is worth. I mean, look, my I got a multiple Grammy winning drummer. You know, my guitar player ha is one of the most sought after guitar players in L.A. Uh, my my bass player is a freaking beast of a bass player it's it's like you know these guys are good and they're worth they're worth what they make they're they're worth a lot more than they make in, yeah. in the venues in la and um there's got to be a little give and take you know so we're trying to figure that out right now and uh and i feel like that'll happen in the next month or so things will start getting panned out and uh you know people are coming to these venues and drinking again now and um that's where the club yeah. will make their money. That's where the bar yeah. will make their money. Yeah. And you also, you don't want to do your first show too soon because if people don't want to come, if they're not ready, if your fans aren't ready, you know what I'm saying? To pack into a, in, into a venue, um, you don't, you know, you don't want to do that either because uh, that first show is something, you know, when we go back to our regular venues, we know those first shows are going to be special and we want to make sure the time is right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's very smart, very smart. Um, as far as Rick Hall, the yeah. character you play in the movie, again, just to be clear, you grew up in real life, yeah. <laughs> like pretty much next to where this place. Where he grew up, where he like, grew up. It, it's not an exaggeration to say that, that we grew up in the same place. Rick Hall was, when I was coming up in the Muscle Shoals area of Alabama, North Alabama, I went to... Uh, uh, Russell High School, a little town called Russell, which is in the Muscle Shoals area. Um, and Rick was the local legend. I mean, he was the guy The fame recording studios were was like the only amazing thing that had ever happened to that area. Um, you know, that in the out on Jackson Highway where the where the uh, the musicians later, they they split from Rick. The, the original musicians started their own. And, they, and then you had two going simultaneously. And that was crazy. That time was insane for, for that area uh, in terms of the music that was being made there. But, um, yeah, he he I grew up hearing the stories about Rick, um, you know, and uh, he ha had gotten to know some of the guys that that, that played on some of those records uh, through other projects and other uh, times and people that I knew back in Alabama and. Um, you know, to be able to come back later in life, you talk about a full circle moment. I mean, it's, I don't know if it gets any more full circle. That's, that. I was just, we've, we've had a couple of guests on the show that, that really have these, like we had a guy who's like favorite TV show. He like got him into comedy. He's now the host of that show. Wow. Like just the crazy full circle of things that yeah. happen, you know, like, you know, guys going to shows, seeing bands and then getting to meet those bands and play with those bands later in life. So I yeah. love this full circle. Like you grew up hearing about this dude. This dude is yeah. like, you know, a legendary producer. He's the guy. He's like a, you know, a Phil Spector, but he didn't murder anybody. He's yeah. like, a, um, <laughs> that we know of. That we know of, right? I'm sure there's a there's bodies he buried. Tried. In he tried. He, he tried maybe once or twice, but uh, no, it didn't. <laughs> it's pull not it off. successful. Yeah, but yeah, he was I mean, a hothead. Rick Rick was a, a hothead, and I and I'm allowed to say that because I, uh, you know, I did get to know the guys that worked with him, and um, I did get to know his widow 
uh, and his son, um, you know, uh, pretty, uh, pretty well. Uh, Linda, his, his widow and his, and his son, Rodney, were very uh, helpful to me when I started uh, working on the role because, you know, uh, when you're playing a real person, and I've done it before, there's an obligation to get it right. You know, you can't, I'm not one of those guys, I'm never going to go in and do an impersonation. I'm just not going to do that. Um, luckily, I kind of uh, look enough like him that I was able to to just pull that off naturally. And, and they and, sort of grade you up and made you, right? They made I you put a tremendous wig on me, John. Yeah. It, was, it was fabulous. I, I tried to steal it, but I couldn't. Get it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I did a lot of talking and, and with them and, and, you know, they were uh, they were very honest. Everybody that his family and and, and uh, the musicians that I that I talked to. We're very honest uh, about a couple things. The first thing they'll tell you is that he was a hard ass and a perfectionist and he and he'd piss you off because he'd work you to death. And it wasn't just the musicians, you know, even Linda and Rodney said, you know, it happened at home, too. He was uh, we knew we knew what that was like. We knew what the man was like, too. They even uh, said that, um, you know, I think in, in his memorial, they, they talked about that. So so, uh, you know, um, there's a. There's a great story. I talked to to uh, David Hood uh, the uh, quite a bit. He was the bass player, and I uh, also played horn. And uh, when, when oddly enough, David everyone knows David as the bass player, but on the Aretha stuff, he played trombone, which oh wow, kind of crazy and shows you what kind of musician he was. Um, but uh, David said that uh, he never got a day off, and finally it was it was his anniversary, his, him and his wife's anniversary, and he finally got a begged Rick for a day off. And they went and he took his wife to a movie and in the movie theater, Rick sent somebody and grabbed him, grabbed David out of the movie theater and said, get your ass in the studio. We're recording right now. He's like, it's my fucking anniversary, man. Give me a day. But Rick, Rick, when the wheels were turning, Rick didn't stop. And they'll all tell you those stories, but they'll but they'll immediately follow it up by saying, if it weren't for Rick Hall, I wouldn't have been the musician that I was. If it wasn't for him driving at me the way he drove at me, he refused to let that fail. He refused to create anything less than the genius that was, that happened down there. And, uh, you know, and once you, I, I, I think, you know, once a man decides that he's going to do it and he really decides, it's just a matter of getting done at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the moment that it really happens. And, I think it's, Rick uh, decided early on because he grew up poor and uh, he, he had a chip on his shoulder about that. He felt like he had something to prove. He grew up in a floor, a, a dirt floor house with nothing. And um, he felt like his whole life that he had to prove something to people. And and not just from where he grew, started with where he grew up, but then later is because of the type of music he was playing, like we talked about earlier. Um, people come in and thought there's no way you you guys can can play this music. And he had to prove himself over and over. And you know what? He did. He did it yeah. every single time. You look at his catalog and it, it to the people that don't know Muscle Shoals music, you know, just look at the things that Rick Hall produced and wrote and uh, prepare to get your mind blown. It, it's it's amazing because you've definitely heard it. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely heard it a lot of times. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's so, not like so you're like, oh, that's familiar. I grew up hearing all of that and hearing the stories about Rick and uh, and, and uh, later to get to play the role was just um, 
I don't know if I can even put it into words, to be honest with you. We said full circle, but it was it's more than that. It was a it's a life thing for me. Um, and I know that it meant a lot to Linda and Rodney and his family and the rest of the guys that recorded with him, that it was a hometown boy that ended up getting to play him. I, I was because just going to. They I were concerned, gonna... I think, that they were going to find, you know, some Hollywood guy, you know, that didn't know anything about down there. And, you know, who knows how they would have portrayed him. And it, it's, it, it'd be easy to make if you chose to, you could make him into a a goat very, very easily. And uh, they felt comfortable with me. And I was, uh, that was one of the biggest honors. I was actually able to, to with the generous help of the producers to get them into um, the, the studio when we were recording it, when we were filming it, um, we rebuilt the Muscle Shoals studio as it was when Aretha recorded. I mean, down to the last nail, down to the T. And um, they got to come in and, uh, and and when we were doing that, and, and it was a special moment to, to sit there and, uh, with Linda and Rodney and with David and Spooner Oldham, who I don't know if you know who Spooner is, but Spooner is one of the greatest uh, uh, session piano players ever in, in, in the history of music, of recording. And um, I love the guy. He's an amazing person. And uh, those guys uh, were just sort of really taken taking it you, you you watch him walk on set and you just see the years coming back yeah dude it all flooding in and spooner sat down at the piano ne next to jennifer um and i can't believe this is the first time i've mentioned her name i was gonna well we're, we're definitely gonna get to jennifer <laughs> hudson playing aretha franklin yeah <laughs> yeah but they sat down together and uh i just i started to i started to record it and then i thought I just want to sit here and take this in. You know what I mean? I just want to sit here and and, uh, and listen and see this and and know how special of a of a thing that I get to be a part of. Right? That's now. your that's a that's a moment for you. I mean, that is like uh, I, I, I'm doing that more and more. Like, oh, I should take a picture of this, or I should take. A, I'm like, nope. This is for me and the people yeah, I'm man. with right now, and yeah. that's it. That's it. And Some stuff is just too much, and and it never would have been anything in the picture anyway. The yeah. moment. It's like a picture of the Grand Canyon. Yes, you know, dude. you can look at a picture of the Grand Canyon and go, well, that looks like that's pretty. That's neat. But that's that's not go stand on the edge of it and be like, holy shit, this yeah. is huge. It's different. It's a different yeah. thing. And, and so I kept yeah. that. And, you know, the, the another great thing about that movie is that, uh, you know, I knew Liesl Tommy, the director, and I knew Tracy Scott Wilson, the writer. Uh, we had worked together years before at the public theater in New York. At, uh, um, and I actually knew uh, Liesl even before that. She used to be in casting. And, um, and, and then she, made, she, she knew she was going to be a director, but she had been given a very sage advice to start, if she was going to be a director, starting casting because casting is 90% of the job. And um, man, is she good at that. I can tell you, she, she knows who to put in a role and, um, and, and in respect, she got every single one of them right. I mean, just knocked it out of the park. But I knew Liesl very well. I knew, I, I knew Tracy very well. We worked on a play called The Good Negro at the, at the public theater. Uh, Anthony Mackey was in that with me. And we sort of played these. Um, he, it was loosely based on uh, uh, Martin Luther King. And he played the part of King. And I played the part of uh, – whatever the opposite of uh, Martin Luther King is in the South. Earl and, Ray. Uh, James and it Earl was Ray. 
Yeah. And it was very beautifully uh, uh, sort of orchestrated. This play it was Tracy is a genius and I love her. Um, I really, really love her. And um, still very good friends. We stayed friends during this whole time. I knew that uh, I knew that when I found out Liesl got the job of uh, of, of directing Respect, I obviously knew that Rick was a big was going to be part of that story. And I was torn, man. And you may have been experienced things like this before where, you know, people you've been around for a while and, you know, people. And sometimes you go, should I should I try to pull that card? Should I try to play play that friend card there? And I didn't know. And I let time go by. And finally, I just said, you know what? Damn it. I'm just going to reach out to Liesl. And I did. And I said, Liesl, I am the only person who should ever play this role. And I think you know that because you know me and you know I came from there. I know that man. I know that story. And there, you're never going to find anybody who can play this role like I am. I was born to play him. And I almost vomited when I, when I was saying that because I felt like, you know, she was a, a dear friend of mine. And the last thing I wanted her to say was something like, how dare you try to you know, use, your use our friendship so that yeah. you can get into a movie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but that, but also if she knows you, that's, that's more than that. I mean, yes. there are movies being made every day. You're not doing that for every movie. You're not like, I've never done it before in my life. And I can't, because imagine. this meant something. Yes, it did. It did mean something. And, and I'll never forget her response was my friend, we wrote it for you. And like, Dude. I'm, I'm just like, you know, my eyes watered up and I was just oh, like, Oh man. Uh, I still had to prove myself to MGM, though. Don't, of don't course. get it. Don't get it wrong. No, they, because they those guys, are, yeah, but they uh, don't know you. But and they, she and, did. And you know what? I didn't find this out until the first table read. But she didn't tell them that she knew me. She didn't tell them she knew me. She didn't tell them that that I'm from Muscle Shoals. She didn't tell them any of that shit. I I did a self tape in this room that I'm standing in right now. They made me. They made me record every scene just about every scene he had in the movie, man, they made me jump through the jump through all the hoops. And man, I, I was just, it was one of those times where I just sat down and decided I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This is, uh, it, you know, I, I had already put it out there that there was no one who should play the part, but me and I, I put it on myself to prove it. And that uh, is awesome. Luckily she passed it right on to the producers and the, and the studio and, and, and uh, everyone was in agreement and it didn't come out that we knew each other and that I was from Muscle Shoals until we sat, we all sat down at the table together in New York to read the script. And, and that's one of the things I'm most proud of because Liesl didn't have to go to them and say, hey, here's my friend Mike. And she didn't have to pitch. She, she gave them my work and said, look at this, look at his work. I believe in this guy. And that was all that she had to do. And uh, that, that's something that you hope for as an artist, any kind of artist, that your, your work at some point in a life, it won't always, but there are times when, you, when you're so connected to it that your work just speaks for itself and there's nothing else that has to be said. And um, it was another special moment. This is, a, uh, as I think we've established, for me, a very special project on, 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 on many uh, fronts because of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and I like I I love the fact that she didn't 
use that. She, you know what I mean? Like, because she knew, she knew yeah. you were good enough. She knew yeah. you were going to nail it. She knew you were going to put in the work. Yep. And like you said, you, you, you sat down to like, okay, I got to prove myself. You worked at it. You know, yeah. you didn't just go, ah, okay, I can do the accent. I can do that. You know, you, you, yeah. you did the work, you put it in. And also you do have a huge advantage to already knowing the guy like meaning like his story who he is where he comes from that area like that the mentality that was like going on back then but as an actor how i mean you said you played real people before but how great was it to be and not just because it's this guy rick hall who is you know in in your eyes like you know something real special but like you then get to meet all these people that legitimately hung out with him and knew him and were his family. And, and they were able to tell you all about this guy, like all yeah. the ins and outs that you didn't get from reading the newspaper or looking online or Googling him or whatever. And how was that as like, was there things that you didn't know you were going to incorporate into the character? And then you were like, holy shit, that's a real. Absolutely. There were a lot of things that I that I didn't know. And I thought I knew everything because uh, or most of the important stuff. Anyway, I, I had grown up hearing the stories several years before um, I was down there in Muscle Shoals doing uh, helping to create a musical with my friend Randy Myler, who uh, he, he wrote and directed, you know, the Hank Williams Lost Highway and Love Janice and a lot of a lot of um, uh, musical plays, uh, bi musical bio plays. Um, he's very big at that and very good at it. And, uh, and, and, uh, we were putting that together. And while I was down there performing it, I learned all those stories again and learned lots of other things that I didn't know. So I had thought that I, that I heard it all, but I heard so much more by talking to them. Uh, yeah. some of the things that I've already told you about, about how specifically how hard he drove people. And, but the other side of that, that they loved him. And that they that they that they would they all admit they would not have a career if it weren't for what he was and and the son of a bitch that he could be sometimes he wouldn't accept anything less than what was perfect. And um, and even though, you know, uh, that's ob obviously subjective, he knew when to let he knew when the imperfections were perfect, he knew when to let it go. And if even if it wasn't uh, what was technically perfect um, and let that be something even greater than than it was originally meant to be. He and knew that where to show over and over again. In yeah, he knew he knew that those things help create emotion like, yeah. you know, and everything being technical all the time. Recording is a, is a difficult thing, man. And, and a lot of uh, modern music, it, it, it's so computerized and there's no soul in it because everything is produced down to the beat every little thing and and you gotta um it takes us a, a a real special kind of person to know when to be relentless about one little beat and when to let something go um not everybody can do that man <laughs> it, it really in any art i think yeah that's a good point because there is like you know, I think when I was younger, I tended to like if something wasn't perfect or it didn't technically, you know, but if you keep doing that, you're never going to finish your screenplay. You're never going to finish the sketch you're writing. You're never going to finish the joke. You're never going to finish the song. It's like you got it. Oh, at a certain point, you have to go, this is it. This is the thing. Here it is, you know, yeah. and, you know, and also, like you said, playing 
recording in a studio for musicians, it was, you know, you play live, you're a, you're a musician, you're playing, you got an audience, you get feedback, you know, and then to go into a studio and, and not, not that, that it was sterile, but it's just not, it's not a live performance. It's not an audience. You're, you're like multiple takes. So you're doing it again. Someone's telling you, you did it wrong. You know, it, it's just yeah. a different, a different like way to play music almost. There's almost this, this academia about it that you have to incorporate and be able to put that in there without losing the soul. I mean, forget losing it. You, you have to, it has to be infused with what is, is meant to carry over to the listener um, every single beat or, or, or it's nothing. And you, you, that's why so many people go into a studio and they think they've got a hit and they overproduce it. And it ends up just being another song or a B side because they've hammered all the soul out of it, you know? And, um, and those guys, interestingly enough, uh, they never cared to play live. Um, they, they were studio musicians and they knew it. Really? And they did, they did go out with Aretha a few times because she, she loved them so much and she wanted them there, especially as she started. She understood she, that they created magic with her. That they, made, they helped make the sound. It's like yeah. they made the sound that she sang to. That's... And, and, and really they did. And, and, and that's no, I mean, obviously she was gifted uh, on, uh, on an unspeakable level. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, but, you know, Spooner is the one that they were trying to pan some of the first songs out and Spooner is the one that was just sitting there on the piano and just kind of messing around and found it. And everybody turned and said, Oh, Spooner's got it. Spooner's got it. And then the band joins in and Aretha starts singing and music history is made. You know what I mean? And, um, and this is, this is after lots and lots of frustrations. There are tons of stories like that with muscle shows the uh, uh, Paul Simon came down there to record the Kodachrome album. And he had been to studios all over the world trying to get that album recorded. And he had, he had recorded his guitar tracks first without a metronome. So it wasn't perfectly in sync, but that's what he wanted. That, that was the tracks that he wanted. And, And he was a notorious perfectionist, which is a little strange that he would, he would take a track that wasn't recorded to a metronome and be so tied to it. But nobody could get it. He recorded it in New York. He recorded it in London. Nobody could get it. And finally, he came down to the shows, uh, and Roger Hawkins was the one who figured out what that weird rhythm is that he was trying to have and that he had in his head that he couldn't get out and no one else, no other rhythm section could figure out. He hired them for three days to do that one song and they they got pissed about it. They took it personal. They said, "You three think days. it takes us three days to do one song?" He's, they're they're like, "Screw you, man! Let's go!" And they figured out they figured out the the um the, that first song in about I don't know a few hours. And then they, <laughs> Paul had he still had two and a half days left, so he sits down in the studio and starts playing his acoustic, saying, well, here's some other songs I got. Let's, let's record an album. <laughs> yeah, and that is exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. They prided themselves in being able to get it done uh, and figure it out and get it done without overthinking it. You know, And that's why the Stones came down there and guys like that and Leonard Skinner and those dudes ended up coming down there later on because um, that was the, the approach that they were looking for. They needed a pocket in there they needed it to be loose 
they didn't want to hammer it out and overdo it. They wanted it to be, you know, uh, uh, right on pocket and almost feel like a lot, almost feels like a live performance. You know, it's like, it's not the rigid studio. It's, it's, it's a very fluid, it's fluid music. It's, it's, you know, it's, it flows. It's great. Um, How uh, so? How was Jennifer Hudson? Obviously, uh, she probably kills it as Aretha. She can sing. We already know that. She can act. We know that. Like, um, she's been around for, I you know, it doesn't feel like that long. But I guess it's like mid two thousands or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's been that a while been... now. Uh, she's been around for a while. I'll tell you. You know, anytime you're working with uh, the number one on a movie and you don't know them. And they're a big star and they're, you know, considered a, a, a diva. And, I, and I'm not saying she considers herself a diva. She's considered that by other people. Right. Um, you, you never know what's going to walk in the room. You really don't. And, you, and I've learned, I mean, and the hard way, let me tell you, John, I've learned the hard way that you have to treat those number ones a certain way. Um, and uh, so... I didn't know what to expect. I was just kind of being uh, 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 cordial and not too pushy. And I tell you, she was so gracious to me. And uh, she didn't have to be. She she had no reason to be gracious to me. She, here she was making this epic movie where she had to sing what's impossible to sing. She had to pull off a nearly impossible feat, um, which she did, by the way. Um, she sang all that, huh? She sang all that. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's nothing against the other people that have played Aretha, but there's no one else that really could have done it. There's no one else that that could have done it besides the gen- And that's why Aretha chose her to do it. Um, but she was uh, uh, very gracious and giving and wanted to make sure that at least in my experience with her, that I had what I needed. And, um, and, uh, she was complimentary and, and even I felt like sometimes would ask me what I, for advice about, you know, what she was doing. And you don't see that a lot with, with, with people who are leading a movie the way she is leading this movie. I mean, there's Jeez. number one on the set, on the cast list. And then there's, you know. I mean, the name of the movie yes. is the name of the main character, and she's playing the main character. <laughs> so. I mean, that you don't get more higher, you don't get more number one than that. And uh, I couldn't, I, I was, I was uh, just, I mean, I fell in love with who she was. I got to yeah. be honest with you. She didn't have to be, she didn't have to be that cool. Yeah. And um, she was just, uh, and, and she's also a very um, a humble person. And I, I feel like a, uh, you know, you know, she's not one of these people that, that you get the sense is this is one of these deviant Hollywood types, you know, um, she, she was a very good girl, you know, I mean, she was, uh, she, she had been raised right. And, uh, she was, uh, she knew, um, how to conduct herself and she knew how to, um, uh, you know, she wasn't out there raising hell. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it that way. She, she was, was uh, getting ready to play Aretha. She's she was not she's getting sleep doing and her work. Her and she was. She respected everybody. No pun intended. Uh, that was involved in it, and um, I can't imagine 
I can't imagine it being anybody else. I mean, and, I really. And, and I can only imagine for her to be able to play Aretha. Fr I mean, yeah. you know, I assume her parents listened to Aretha Franklin and she grew up listening to Aretha Franklin. And There's no and way it, she couldn't have. That, it was everywhere. She's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I feel, if I'm not mistaken, she's from Chicago. Is that Am I wrong? Yeah. Okay. So she still, still lives there, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So that, that's a that's a Midwest, like the the being gracious to everybody and being nice and being you know I mean that's that's a little bit of that Midwest in there. And I'm sure she was raised by parents who were like, hey, please and thank you and that kind of thing. So I I, I do love hearing that. And also just because I, you know, I'm 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 blanking on like who who would that be for me like if I got to play and all I can come up with is carrot top so that, that that's not right like <laughs> it's like well, if I got to play carrot top man I would take that real serious Chris Elliott man it's Chris Elliott <laughs> yes it is Chris Elliott if I when I do the Chris Elliott bio uh, that yeah exactly I will I will talk to his family and learn everything I need to learn um what uh who else is in who else is like there's a lot like okay yeah I got Marlon Wayans, Forrest Whitaker, yeah. uh, Mar oh you Mark got to Marin. work with you got to work with Marin how was that Oh yeah uh, you know him I I only know him in passing I've never really I had don't a mean to assume that all comedians know no each no other. that's fine you know? I I do I have a crazy amount of respect for him I've uh -huh. never been able to tell him this to his face but uh -huh. his podcast what what the fuck it it really changed my help helped me change my perspective on what comedy is and why i'd want to do it you know and I think he's done uh, that for a lot of people yeah and i really appreciated it and i would like to be able to tell him that to his face i'm done waiting for people to die to go oh man i really like that guy's work you know i'm i don't care if they get annoyed by me i'm just gonna say hey i like what you do and you helped me so but i did i i appreciated that and he was uh how was he was he cool he was awesome he was yeah. great. I loved hanging out with him. And he is like all I've, I've worked with a lot of comedians uh, somehow through the years. And and uh, like like the like the great all the other great comedians that I've worked with. He is that guy. He's not putting any he's not putting shit on. He's that dude, man. And he he's that guy. The only time he's not that guy is when he's playing Jerry Wexler. In the right. When he's when he's playing I mean? a character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he is that dude, and um, and it's refreshing to me to be like, oh man, oh cool. You can just kind of sit down and breathe and be like, you are who you say you are. That's great, man. I do. Not I, only that, he's fucking smart, really, really smart. And he knows and he's music, like player. Yeah, yeah, he he loves music. He's a guitar player, and I do I do like that. The best one, of some of the best, like the compliments that I've gotten in in like working in Hollywood and whatever are that after people see me go on and then they hang out with me afterwards like oh my god you're the same yeah, you're the same guy and i'm like yes what you heard up there was true the things yeah. i said were real that was me i'm not you know i love acting for the other reason which is you get to get into a character and you get to play mm -hmm. somebody different and kind of see it from someone else's perspective but right. comedy for me has always been about me and the things yeah. that have happened to me and i can't write from a place of ah, I'm, I'm mike watford and i this is my character yeah. i i can't do that i i i don't know how so to to mark's credit he's he is that guy and it's you know for he, better his, or for worse his sometimes Graham feed is it's remarkable i mean it's it's some of it's just like he's not even doing anything man it's like a vim vendors movie he's like just walking through the house and you know just it, nothing's happening man he's just 
oh, there's my cat. You know, I got some some nuts over here. You know, I mean, just oh, look, there's mail. I mean, what? And somehow, holy shit, man, it's incredibly interesting. I yeah. don't know. I, I I I could never make just me walking through the house something that you know thousands upon thousands of people were are dying to see every day. Right. Yeah. You and know? liking and getting more of it. Oh, wow, oh yeah. we can get more Let of me it. tell yeah. you, he mentioned me on his on his podcast right after we worked together and my phone never blew up so hard, man. I, I mean like people I literally had a friend that said to me, uh I think I saved the text. He's like he's like uh 25 years you've been working in this business and uh everything you've ever done has been trumped by Mark Marin just mentioning your name on his podcast. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I'll try to take that as a compliment. I, I don't well, know. well, here's the deal. Everything you did before that led you to where you are. So it's all important. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's, yeah. um, that's fantastic. Mark was a great, a, a absolute, a great, great dude though. I, I really hope I can work with him again because, uh, he's the type of dude you just want to like, I, there was enough time for me to ask all the weird questions that I wanted to ask him about who the, who the hell he is. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and you know what? Him and, him and Marlon, who are very different comedians, uh, being those guys is off off camera. I mean, I'm in the middle of the two of them, most of the movie, most of the my part of the movie. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was there were times where I was just like, I'm going to stop talking and just grab. Observe. Some yeah. I watched this whole thing happen. Them just being each other and naturally without trying it's a fucking comedy show is happening, man. And they're not even trying to do that. Yeah. But it's like, he might as well, it might as well be Marlon on this side and this spotlight and Mark over there in that spotlight for me, you know, um, because they, as we said, they are who they are and they love being that. It makes them really fucking happy to, to do, to, to be funny and to think and, and question things. And, um, uh that that was that was amazing for me that's awesome that's awesome um well i don't want to take up too much more of your time um trying to think what else we should i mean it's just a, it's such a great story like you know again growing up in the area you've heard all the all about this guy and then you get to meet his family and all the musicians who played with him and i feel like when those musicians tell you that he was a hard ass but they wouldn't be who they are without him yeah. to me that's like if you talk to any professional athlete yeah. Baseball player, football player, hockey player, whatever. Guarantee you there's a parent in there that was like, get on that fucking field, put the yeah. glove on, throw the goddamn ball, you're going to be a star. And like, the kid was probably miserable at, for a chunk of that, but then like, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't know how to feel about that sometimes. It's like, you got to let kids well, dude, do what they want to do. That's kind of, that's, you know, uh, not too unlike me with my son. My son's an athlete and I, and I coach. And uh, I, I was an athlete when I was younger. And when he started becoming an athlete and I got back into it, it was a big deal. It was so awesome for me to be able to go into that world and escape what Hollywood is and be in a, in a situation where it's not about that at all. And, um, but man, I tell you, uh, you know, he has goals. He's, he's only nine years old, but he's got goals, man. And, uh, and I, and when he sat down and told me his goals, you know, he, I said, look, what you're saying some serious shit. I didn't say shit. <laughs> Look, you little fucker, you're saying some yeah. serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I told him this is serious. And I made a choice that I'm not going to be that dad that says, that's ridiculous, dude. 
you, you don't don't dream of playing in the NFL because only one in five million people ever get a chance to do that. I said to myself, I'm gonna support his dream to do that. And if he makes it, it's gonna be because of his talent, plus the and, fact that I kicked his ass over and over again every damn day to, to get him out there and do it. But if he doesn't do it, it sure as hell ain't gonna be because someone didn't believe in him and someone didn't didn't uh, push him to be the best that he could be. If he doesn't make his dreams that dream, it's going to be bec- it's not going to be because he didn't try like hell to do it. And uh, as a dad, it's the biggest uh, honor the, uh, of my life to go out with him almost every day, and uh, and throw and work and. Um, pay a shitload of money for private coaches and you know, things like that. But, but he, he's doing he, what he wants to do. And wait, two years from now, he may say, yeah, I feel like chess is more exciting. I mean, who knows? But, right. But, but who knows? But you're there. You're there for the ride with him. You're not telling him oh. now you got to get out there because you're going to quit football. You've been doing, you know, you're not that dad. You're the dad who's no. like, Dude, if you want to do this, I will work with you and I will help you and I will be there every step of the way for you. But I've told him that so many times. I've told him like I've told him if you decide that you don't want to do this, I'm happy. Don't ever do this for me. I don't want to be that dad. But if you decide that, then we're going to find out whatever else it is. And the last time I said it, he said, I wish you'd stop saying that. I wish you I told you this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? And so believe me, this is what I want to do. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Good enough, man. I wish I had those balls when I was nine years old, but unfortunately, I didn't. But I think it worked so, out okay for you. I did. I ended up. Uh, I ended up alive and here and hey i get to do cool shit so it's it's all good yeah man. <laughs> yeah. spite of it all i love it dude well mike thank you so much for uh yeah. talking to us and i mean i this will come out like right around the same time as the movie i'm looking forward to the movie and i i'm sure everyone else is looking forward to it too i mean aretha franklin is a iconic beloved like i you can't it's the queen of soul like you just can't there aren't words that could explain mm-hmm. I, I mean blues brothers is one of my favorite movies it's oh, yeah. um a, f- a friend of mine she's a, was a little kid she's in it dancing on a police car they blew up the gas a friend station. of mine was one of those kids too by the way is your friend sent to moses no, it's oh. not. No, no, okay. no, no, no. That's He's great. One of my fraternity buddies, but they probably were hanging out together. Yeah, right? that's little awesome, little man. Kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then uh, they blew up a gas station in that movie that didn't make the final cut. Like when they're getting the windshield wipers and Twiggy pulls in and um, and Dan Aykroyd's talking to her. They ended up blowing that gas station up as the Blues Brothers drove away. That was like literally you know, down the street from my house. My dad went and watched them blow up that gas station for the movie. Blues Brothers was the first movie I ever saw in a theater. I was five years old. My parents were like, we're going to see this. For for you, right? Being from, you're from Chicago, right? I'm from Illinois. It was a huge deal. It was the hardest, watching John Belushi fall down the stairs as the nun was slapping with her was the hardest (laughs) I laughed at that point in my life. And then hearing the F word all the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking hilarious. And my parents were laughing and their friends were laughing. And I was like, why am I here? But yeah. I loved it. But yeah. but my thing is, like, there are so many musicians in that movie. Like, Ray Charles is in that movie, you know. And that was my first, 
you know, my parents were, my dad liked music, but he liked, I don't want to, I don't want, again, not trying to make fun of white people, but my dad liked Dixieland jazz, which is oh gosh, some very banjo-y white guy music. Um, my my and, dad my my dad liked fusion jazz so like that's just that's pretty much just as modern fusion jazz is about as soulless as it can get. But. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. That is like yeah. But yeah, but but seeing Aretha Franklin, that just that scene, it plays over my head. Like just the fact the ordering when uh, four whole chickens and a coke and dry white and and then she goes back there and the guitar player is a terrible actor. Like, mm, but but he can rip. <laughs> and then they do respect. I mean, they do yeah. think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, dude, it was. It's such an amazing. I mean, that that was my intro to her. And from there, you're like, oh, this woman is an amazing singer and Greatest. performer and loved by everyone you know i've never heard anyone go ah, fuck aretha franklin like no you know i've heard people go dare. well of course not but i've heard people go oh I, I don't listen to it as much as i should you uh-huh. know but i've never heard anyone go eh, nah, aretha franklin i also yeah, try not to hang out that's with one of those that things like music, if someone you know. said that you would pretty much know they're an asshole that's the thing as i said i was going to say is like i don't i don't yeah. like to hang out with people that don't like music it's yeah. not it's not fun you know you, uh-huh. and also i like people that are that get nerdy about things like whatever you're into get into it man yeah, like it's yeah. get into it like be get the find out how it works figure it out and keep doing it yeah but uh again thank you man and uh looking forward to the movie and what do you do you have anything coming up besides that i mean not besides um, well, that like well it's nothing, we're gonna but... have uh I, i'm start i'm just starting the press for it so i'm gonna be doing a lot of that and uh no, you've and, this is you've done my podcast. That's all the press you need. I think people will find <laughs> oh. out about the movie this way. And exactly, <laughs> send this out to the world, John, and then I can just be home for the next. Uh, yeah, few no, weeks. we put it on the World Wide Web so everybody oh. can get. To... <laughs> is that where you put it? <laughs> where we put it? You are cutting edge, my friend. It's technology. <laughs> I don't expect you to understand it, but it is taking over. <laughs> and I and I don't. <laughs> I, I'll, I don't. Hopefully, I'll have some some stump waller shows and. Uh, um, you know, look stumpwaller.com. I don't really keep Stumpwaller on the um, on the of social medias. It's on Facebook, I think, but I don't have it on any of the others. I, I don't know why. I just haven't. Uh, um, we try to keep it a, a local so- SoCal thing as uh, for the most part. But um, hopefully, we'll be playing uh, uh, soon. We're still working that out, and uh, and then I'm just going to be going around um, uh, 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 doing these things and uh, telling stories that now they're all going to be dry and and glib because i've told them all to you you're actually the first one so uh boom i was i was gonna reach out to you before the publicist hit me up like i was literally like oh man he's in that movie i gotta talk to him and i'm like he'll remember me right i mean we didn't do hollywood anonymous that long ago it was like of course i I remember yeah and i I couldn't and i couldn't remember who if you were friends with brian or how we met or if it was a publicist before and so the the carl thing i'm like oh yeah of course he's going to remember me you know um but yeah man i really appreciate it and uh best of luck i'll be coaching uh uh youth flag football if anybody wants to come out and see some nine and ten year olds uh, would, you know, I wouldn't uh, promote around. it like that. I wouldn't promote it like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I guess I got a bunch of nine and 10 year olds. If you guys want to come out like, mm, nope, I'm a grown man with no children. Probably not a place for me to be. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's great, man. Best of luck with coaching. And uh, I hope your kid makes it in the NFL draft at, at nine I years old. Too, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much. And again, yeah. uh, I look forward to the movie. 
All right, John. Thanks All a right. lot, man. Take it easy, Mike. Take it easy.